0: and all of the second district staff for their contribution in making sure that these uh, periods of our being together go off as smoothly as they are. Tonight we are blessed of God. He's no stranger to us uh, to present our facilitator, uh, the Reverend Dr. Matthew Wardell Bonner, who is the assistant professor and faculty leader in counseling the counseling program at John Hopkins University School of Education. he is not only that but he is indeed an ordained AME pastor uh, preacher minister who serves and is associated with the, uh, the Washington Annual Conference. He belongs to us I am I am excited about his contribution tonight and know that those of us who are here We will be blessed by that which he will share with us. Tonight is indeed dealing with the wounded healer. We thank you for being here and we pray that you will find help in these presentations. Dr. Bonner, welcome tonight.
1: Thank you, Bishop, and thank all of you for coming out and thinking about your self-care and thinking about your own mental health in terms of being here. So I want to start by share. Can I share my screen, please? Okay. So I'm not able to share my screen right now. I need to be able to share my screen to um, share this presentation. Just thinking about uh, this situation with COVID-19 and thinking about this, this crisis in which we find our, our country, it affects all areas. It has affected you as pastors. Um, it has affected lay. Um, it's affected children uh, and adolescents. It's affecting your children, and it's affecting your grandchildren. We're not only in the middle of a, a pandemic, Uh, crisis, but we're also in the middle of a mental, a huge mental health crisis. There have been reports that more people are drinking alcohol. There have been more reports of domestic abuse, children uh, feeling alienated, feeling isolated from each other. So uh, the consequences of COVID-19 will be felt for many years. It once we get a vaccine, and even when we get past Um, the sickness and all of the deaths and all of the the grief and everything that's going on, the consequences of COVID-19, it is a mental health crisis. Um, Counseling offices are filled. Uh, People want to know how they can be healthy. They're in situations where they may have to live in abusive households. So that's the context that we see right now. So it is urgent. And we've got to understand that not only is it a crisis of of physical health, but it is a a crisis. It's a pandemic of mental health as well. Okay, let me, okay, thank you. I can share my screen now. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to talk to, I'm going to speak to all of our to you in particular as pastors as wounded healers and that's going to be the focus of this presentation as stated before I'm over the counseling department at Johns Hopkins University but also I am a clinical mental health counselor too a licensed clinical mental health counselor in the state of Maryland so uh, I have a lot of experience with mental health issues. I see a few clients through pro bono counseling. And as stated before, this is certainly this has certainly been a crisis of huge proportions and you've got to think of it also as an urgent mental health crisis. So I urge you to definitely take advantage of all of the resources that you've been given uh, with the EAP. So the purpose of this presentation is fourfold, and I'm going to talk to you for about 30 minutes, and then we're going to allow time for 15 minutes or so of questions. So one is to understand that importance of mental health. We're also going to discuss burnout and what are the components of burnout. We are going to identify some wellness factors. And hopefully from this presentation, you will be able to construct a wellness plan for your life or think about or uh, become more aware of the need for self-care and wellness. So it's fourfold, knowing about the importance of mental health, understanding burnout, the components of burnout, also any mental health disorders that can be associated with that and mental health disorders period, Be able to identify wellness factors, so you should take that with you uh, to know about how you can be well, and you should have from this presentation uh, enough information to look at your life and say, hey, I'm going to put together a wellness plan or get together with some other people and talk about, okay, what does a wellness plan, what does wholeness look like for my life? So first, let's start talking about burnout and what it means. So burnout means that you, you've got this flame, right? And the flame, it's burning hot. But when we're talking about burnout, that flame starts to flicker, that flame starts to go out, that flame has been doused with some of the cooling waters of adversity, some of the cooling waters of life. And that's what burnout, the definition of burnout is, if you just feel like you're worn out. And there are some components, some clinical components that we're going to talk about so you can recognize what it means uh, to be burnt out. You No doubt you can feel uh, what it means to be burnt out, and you'll be able to identify with these components.
2: Dr. Bonner? Yes. There's something blocking your screen, the subtitle notes, blocking your screen. We just wanted you to remove that so we can see the full screen.
1: Just a second. Let me let me um let me stop the share for a minute here. Thank you. Let me stop the share for a minute. Okay. Hold it just one minute here okay what i'll do now you got to let me know if it's okay now can you see it it's Who gone spoke to there. me before can you see it it looks great it looks great thank okay you. excellent excellent thank you for letting me know too sometimes technology works out that way okay moving on with burnout So it means that um, you're just feeling drained and feeling run down. But we're gonna talk more specifically here about those components so that you'll be able to recognize and be able to know what the signs of burnout are. So I call this, for you to remember it, the burnout signs are DEP. Depersonalization, emotional exhaustion, personal accomplishment depth. That's the way you can remember it. How do I know if I'm feeling burnout? I know because of depth. And you can think of it as I'm feeling like I don't have much depth here, depth. So let's talk about depersonalization first. So depersonalization is about my interpersonal relationships. Um, I detach from others. I become cynical about my work. I think that people Uh, deserve some of the bad things that are happening to them. So when I become detached from my work and I feel like maybe even some of the uh, congregants that you serve when um, you don't feel as close to them and you feel yourself just pushing away from them interpersonally, that is depersonalization. Or when I talk badly about the people that I serve, when I have a negative opinion of the people that I serve, Part of that is burnout and that's depersonalization, the first part of depth. The second part of burnout is emotional exhaustion. That is just the sense that I feel just uh, psychologically and emotionally tired, that I'm feeling all kinds of, of fatigue. So when you become aware of that and when you start feeling like that, that just psychological and emotional exhaustion. Like I just don't, sometimes you feel this way. I just don't have the bandwidth. I I don't have enough energy uh, to uh, contribute to my family, to contribute to my marriage, to contribute to my children, to contribute to others. I just feel run down psychologically. And and so it's kind of like where Elijah was when he, He went to the mountain running away from Jezebel and running away from Ahab, just felt just totally exhausted. And then the other aspect of depth here is personal accomplishment. So personal accomplishment means that even uh, when I accomplish things or, or even when I have achieved, I'm just not getting the joy out of achievement. I'm not getting joy out of the work that I'm doing. So these are the three components of burnout. You've got depth, depersonalization, emotional exhaustion, and personal accomplishment, depth. If you uh, can remember anything from tonight about burnout, remember depth. So here are some of the burnout statistics uh, that I saw in a study of ministers in the Church of England. There are not a lot of studies and some of the folks that are scholars here, I know there are some scholars around, there are not a lot of studies on African-American ministers and burnout. There need to be more studies about mental health among African-Americans. However, in this study, they found out that um, many of the people had burnout. Many of the folks in the Church of England who were ministers, they had experienced symptoms of burnout. And we'll talk about that some a little bit later here. So in that study, here's what emotional exhaustion viewed, and and this is what it investigated. Uh, Like I stated before, if I'm feeling drained, I'm not feeling like um, ministry is helping me. When I'm feeling run down and when I'm feeling tired and upset and irritated, frustrated by the things that I have to do when I wake up in the morning and I just begin to groan when I start looking at the computer about all the things that I have to do or on the way to work, if you're still going to work, on the way to work, I'm just like dragging myself in. That would be considered a part of burnout, which is emotional exhaustion. And so they found that with 44% of those ministers, they felt emotional exhaustion of that sample from the study that I was talking about. 38% identified with fatigue and irritation and 47% identify with simply being frustrated. Now, even though the ministers identified highly with some aspects of burnout, there were some positive feelings that they had about ministry. They felt meaning uh, when they influenced people's lives. They felt meaning from helping others. They had personal satisfaction in ministry. And many of us, the reason why we get into ministry, for one, uh, we're called by God. And for another matter, we feel like we are going to make a difference in people's lives, that we're going to help somebody, we're going to plant those gifts in the earth, and we're going to help many people uh, through God using us. So many of them still had, at the same time, positive feelings about ministry. So it wasn't all bad. And you want to make sure That not only do you pay attention and that you're aware of issues with burnout, but what's going to help you is, is looking at and thinking about those feelings of hope in your life, those strengths that you have, those coping mechanisms that you have. Here in another study, it's about other helping professions and how ministers Uh, stacked up against other helping professions. So you remember that depth that we just talked about, right? So with emotional exhaustion, ministers were very similar to social workers, counselors, emergency personnel. Uh, They had lower emotional exhaustion than teachers and police. They had more depersonalization than social workers and counselors, meaning that um, they seem to ministers seem to detach from their work more than social workers and counselors, and they may have felt more negative attitudes toward their congregants. Uh, they have the same about the same levels of depersonalization as teachers, and they had lower depersonalization than emergency personnel and and police Uh, Because with emergency personnel, you know, you've got folks who are dealing on the front lines with people who are going through sickness, people who are going through trauma. You're talking about medical professionals. So you're talking about all of those uh, professions right now, who I'm calling right now our heroes. Continue to pray for our doctors and our nurses in these situations. And uh, my father is presently in the hospital And when I go to, when I was going to the hospital before uh, Governor Hogan shut things down, uh, when I was going to the hospital, I could just see like all of the tension on their faces. I felt like I needed to sit the nurses and the doctors down for counseling while I was there. And and moving on to other helping professionals as ministers compared to them, um, they have higher levels of personal achievement um, than. Counselors, um, They have about equal level as social workers and teachers, and they have lower levels uh, of personal achievement than emergency personnel employees. So in terms of African-Americans and mental health, since I'm speaking to mostly African-Americans here, understand that when America catches a cold, then African-Americans catch pneumonia. So African Americans tend to be more stressed out. Our levels of COVID-19 are higher. We're being hospitalized at higher levels. We're dying at higher levels. We tend to be more, African-Americans tend to be more depressed. And not only that, our depression also goes, not only do we get depressed, but we go untreated. And in these untreated levels of depression, then our depression then becomes more severe. And just being African-American in this country can be a very stressful very stressful, very stressful experience when you look at everything that is going on around us. Let me move on. So when we look at African-Americans and stress, stress means anything that uh, puts a demand on us psychologically, anything that puts a demand on us physically, that's what stress is. And we have a lot of different, a stressor in our life is anything that causes us Uh, to have these demands. So any stressor that we have in our lives that demand our strength, that demand from us physically, psychologically, emotionally, if you think about the stressors in your life, one good thing to do here is to identify what are the stressors in your life? What are the stressors in your family? What are the stressors on the job, in the ministry? What are the stressors in the community? So um, thinking about stressors and identifying stressors can help with your awareness, and it can help you to say, how can I manage stressors? And so the stress response that we have to these issues can cause us to have physical illness. For example, if um, we're stressed out a lot, and when we get stressed, then that causes a physiological reaction our heart begins to beat faster, our blood begins to pump more, which can cause us to have hypertension. It works our bodies harder and can cause our immune systems to decrease, which leaves us susceptible to, to, susceptible to physical disease, and it also leads us to mental disorders as well. And if we have a sedentary lifestyle, meaning that we sit around a lot and we don't get the exercise we need and we're not eating properly, certainly this is a recipe for a shorter life and for physical illness, illnesses such as that's why we suffer from illnesses like diabetes, heart disease, hypertension, and so forth. So with African-Americans and mental health, we're really not being treated uh, for mental health. We're not identifying issues of depression and we're not being treated. Therefore, it's more severe. And now we're finding even in the kids, right, Uh, even in the kids, their suicide rate is now higher two times higher than their white counterparts there used to be a time when we say okay that's not something that black people think about suicide is not really something that black people think about much less perform but now we're finding out that people are so stressed out and even our children our youth are getting so stressed out you're finding higher suicide rates right now and just as a you know just as a sidebar in being african-american and getting stressed out in the book cast uh, by isabel wilkerson she talks about how she went to a restaurant with a white colleague of hers and in that restaurant the white people were getting served before her and the white colleague they finally got served with water they finally got their bread the white colleague was getting upset and irritated then asked to see the manager and isabel Wilkerson talked about this she said If I got stressed out like that every time I was slighted, every time I felt microaggressions, every time I was slighted racially, then I would be just a mess because I would always be calling people out for racism. So there's like this, this tolerance or even this numbness that you have and being stressed out as a black person. And I'm just talking about living in this country where you're you're stressed out just because of the situation, wherever you work and and when you're around people or going to the supermarket, something racial can happen to you in America no matter where you go if you're African-American. Other issues involve um, COVID-19. So specifically for pastors, congregations are asking, when are we going to go back to church? Uh, What about the online services? So the pressures of work have increased because of COVID-19, not just for pastors, but for everybody. Work has just increased. So um, you're not used to perhaps not having people to talk back to you. Uh, And you've got to practice a different style of preaching, a different style in the way that you delivered messages. And you may have been delivering messages the same way for 20 to 30 years, but now you've got to develop some new skills in terms of delivering messages. So uh, there's so many demands that have increased for pastors because of COVID-19 and and not having enough support systems around you is, is an issue. And just the pastoral care issues that congregates have. They've increased because of COVID-19. You could go to the nursing homes before, but now you've got to watch out for yourself too. You don't want to bring COVID-19 home to your family, home to your loved ones, home to your community. So a definition for mental health is this. We talk about psychological and emotional well-being. So we desire Health, And we desire it um, in our emotions. We desire positive emotions. We desire creativity, spirituality, transcendence, community, reaching out to others. That's what we desire. We desire what the fruit of the spirit is. Uh, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's what we desire. We desire that fruit of the spirit. We desire well-being. And that's what mental health, uh, that's a definition for mental health that we can really latch on to here. So as we talked about burnout, talked about stress, talked about mental disorders, How do we guard against these areas? And so here comes the preaching part of it. The Bible says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so we're going to go through this quickly This is my own personal exegesis of this scripture here. As we go through this and we're going to talk about ways in which we can manage stress, ways in which we can manage burnout, and talking about how we're loving God with everything in us. So we break it down, one, into the heart. Okay, so one thing that we can do, a few areas that we can cover in terms of our heart, which is our consciousness, our thoughts, our our feelings here, is to have healthy boundaries, not to say yes to everything, to say no to some things, everything you don't have to do, okay? If you can delegate it out to somebody else, if they can do it 80%, As well as you. Some of us have that thought process. Well, if something's got to be done, i got to do it myself. No, that's not always true. And that's a sure way, a surefire way toward burnout. So having healthy boundaries, learning to say no to some things, learning to say, okay, what can I delegate and what do I have to keep? I would guarantee you, I'd be willing to bet a dollar to a donut that there are some things that you can give away that are on your plate right now that you're keeping to yourself. Give that stuff up because your plate only has so much. God is infinite, but you are not. God is infinite, but we are finite, at least on this earth plate. And so we have to learn to give some things away. We've got to learn to delegate some areas. And if the folks can do it 80% it was well, it may not be done to the way that you want it to be done. But with the healthy boundaries, you're going to be healthier. You're going to be at peace. And the job, as long as it gets done, it might not be just the way you did it. But as long as it gets done, that's fine. Okay, other areas when we talk about thoughts and when we talk about feelings are set aside times where you can uh, recreate yourself, or when you can rejuvenate yourself, what are some activities that you enjoy, uh, be it listening to music or reading a book that helps you to be rejuvenated. Also. You need to not look only at your weaknesses, but also look at your strengths and your coping skills and what are you doing right now to manage burnout and to manage stress. I know I've got to move on quickly. Now, going to the second part, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, okay? I know that preachers, um, church folk, we go to church, right? Uh, But as pastors, a lot of times we're the leader. We're the we're always in charge of church service and that's different from getting your soul fed sitting hearing the message for yourself um reading the word not just for a sermon but reading the word just for your spiritual fulfillment praying not just for your congregation but praying how are you praying for yourself what does your own worship life look like and separating that from your your, um, leadership life. You've got to feed your own spirit because when you're that leader, you're the one that's giving, you're the one that's always on the stage per se. But feeding your own soul, where is that happening for you? And developing that helps you with managing uh, burnout and stress. Other areas, loving the Lord your God with all your mind. Um, Learning to, what are you reading? What What are areas that you What are books that you're reading for pleasure reading, scholarly reading that helps? Learning how to to manage your time. So when when you have time management, and this goes back uh, to the, the other area of your heart is being able to manage your time and blocks of time for certain areas. Sometimes things just get out of control because we're not managing our time. We're not managing what we do every half hour or what we're doing every hour. Getting up in the morning saying, okay, what am I going to accomplish today can be very helpful. Also positive reframing, all situations are not good. The scripture tells us that all things, but all things do work together for good for those who love the Lord, those who have been called according to his purpose. Learning to reframe some difficult situations. And and I know people have lost loved ones during this time. Uh, And when we think about the grief that we feel, we know that in the losing of a loved one, It was time. It it was time for them to go home. Some people um, have suffered and and they, they they were suffering and God released them from their suffering. So some positive reframing of difficult situations can also help in managing burnout, managing stress and managing mental disorders. Another aspect of mine too, and I don't want to forget this, is using a counselor, using those Uh, support services from EAP or using a a personal counselor. There's nothing wrong with having a personal counselor. There's nothing wrong with having a team of people to help you with this. And with all your strength, okay, Um, exercising, getting a proper diet, eating right, with all your strength, when you get moving, movement helps. I'll say it again to you, Movement helps, we're not meant to sit around, we're meant to move around as much as possible. That's why when you find people in the hospital bed, You want folks to get up. Nurses try to move them around. People want to move them around because exercising, that helps to release those those good chemicals in the brain, right? Serotonin, and it releases the endorphins. Just exercising makes a difference. Uh, There have been many studies done about people who have suffered from trauma. Um, They use yoga and meditation and um, running. All kinds of exercises do help. Nelson Mandela uh, talked about how Um, In being in in prison for all of those years that he was in prison before he became the president of South Africa, he talked about how boxing helped him to cope with the anger that he felt in living in apartheid South Africa. So moving, I I can't stress to you enough, and, and, and that's what happens in church with us, right? We dance, we praise, that's movement, you know, that helps with our health. So movement is health and of course making sure that you are checking on your health with with doctor's visits loving your neighbor as yourself so what kind of community support do you have around you who are the people around you who are strengthening you right because it takes a village so where's the mentoring going on who's mentoring you also who are you mentoring who are you helping Uh, If I can help somebody as I pass along, my living will not be in vain. Going on retreats helps. So sometimes you don't need to be in uh, ministry and work year-round. You need to have, and, and we tell this to denominational leaders, you need to have times when you can get away and when you can retreat. There needs to be some times of sabbatical. That's important. Having peer groups around you, having a group of friends around you, a band of brothers, a band of sisters who you can talk to. Learning about conflict resolution. So a lot of what happens in our lives involves conflict, getting skills in conflict resolution. Learning even more about leadership and development too, leadership development, Uh, the skills of becoming a leader. These are great ideas in your development as a person that supports you in managing burnout and stress. Finally, learn to love yourself. Have self-compassion. You don't have to be the best at everything every sermon does not have to be a home run knock it out the park okay have self-compassion everybody is not going to be helped everything doesn't depend on you learn that it depends on god and god knows our frame god knows that we are made of dust and to dust we shall return have some compassion on yourself you've made some mistakes you've got some strengths You've got some weaknesses, but it's all in the Lord's hands and you're a work in progress and God is still working on you. When you learn to offer kindness and compassion and patience with yourself, you know what it does? It helps you to extend it. It gives you the, the grace to extend it to others. And when I think about self-compassion, I think about the grace that God has on each one of us. That he allows us to keep coming to him each and every day, waking us up in the morning, giving us another opportunity. God has compassion. God has infinite patience. And you and I, we have to learn to have self-compassion. We don't always get it right, and that's okay but well, we know that we can run back to our savior and the blood does cover it all the blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary the blood that gives me strength i take it every day from day to day will never ever lose its power amen i'm done i'm done also remember this you need self care as well so um Sister Janet is going to send you this presentation. And with the wheel of self-care, look at this wheel. Look at the different parts of your life. And when you identify these different parts of your life, look at how you can take care of yourself. I'm finished because I know I only had a few minutes there. So
0: um, it's open. The
1: line is open for questions.
0: Yeah. Go ahead, Reverend Yarber and Dr. Clark, come on.
3: Dr. Bonner, thank you so much. That was an excellent presentation. You truly helped me quite a bit. You already answered the first question that was presented in our Q&A, and that was whether the slides would be distributed, and we appreciate you making those available to us. Uh, Thank you so much. Uh, We also want to kind of check in with you on some of the things that you said as some of these questions come in. And I I think one of the things that really was very powerful was your discussion about being fulfilled when your discussion about burnout and being fulfilled, even though you're feeling burnt out. Can you maybe share a little bit more about how do you balance that?
1: Okay. So the question is about being fulfilled when I feel burnout, Mm -hmm. when I feel burnout. Um, So Part of burnout is not feeling fulfilled. That's a, that's a part of burnout. And many of the studies have shown that people leave ministry because of that. So um, with your personal accomplishments, you've got to go back and you've got to think about what is your purpose, right? Because some things that you dreamed about in your life and when you got them, and when you got used to those areas that you've attained, you're like, okay, what was this? I, I thought that this would, um, this would fulfill me and um, it's different than what I thought it would be. So let's say if I got a position, let's say if I was um, elected to a high office and I thought it would be fulfilling to me, but it was much different, right? So in, in terms of burnout, it's just knowing Um, that when you're not feeling fulfilled, you need to go back and begin to look at. And we wrestle with this at times. I need to go back and say, hey, maybe I need to take a break here. Maybe I just need to take a break. And if I take a break from this, then I can be, you know, I can be rejuvenated. I can recreate and then I can engage again. That's one aspect of it that you can do. Because sometimes it's just, the just the humdrum of life right just continuing in the same thing the same way all the time sometimes you need to be able to, to step away from it to get a, a fresh set of eyes to look at a situation it's for example if you're engaged in anything like like if you're engaged in writing something and you become so engaged in it that you are are, are just so immersed in it that you're blinded that you have to take a step back and you have to look with fresh eyes. And sometimes you have to look up, look at your life and look at these different areas of your life. What areas, what's going on? Where are you not being fulfilled? Name it, you gotta name it too, specifically. It's not just enough to say, I'm not being fulfilled. You gotta say, okay, what area What's wrong here? Where am I not being fulfilled? Talk to friends, talk to counselors about it. Use the networks that you have. And if you don't have networks, you need to develop networks. You have to have places where you can be, you have to have those places where you can be rejuvenated. Wow,
3: thank you so much, thank you.
2: Thank you, Dr. Bonner, and that kind of feeds into the next two questions that kind of fit together. One was a confirmation that EAP are professional, licensed counselors, and that it would be indeed um, confidential. But then there was a question that also compounded with that and said, "Is we know that this program has been provided by the bishop through EAP, but is there a balance for professional phone counseling and then calling someone to tr- that you trust for support and
1: comfort?" Okay, so again, that depends, and I alluded to that in my last question, that depends on the personal network you have. So the difference between a friend and a counselor, they are distinct. Let's say that first. With a counselor, I must keep confidentiality. I must keep our conversation private. I could lose my license if I don't. I could lose my ability to practice counseling. So the difference is in having a professional relationship because your friends, they can give you advice and sometimes your friends, their advice is not the best. Sometimes it's good, but sometimes it's way out there and it depends on their experiences and what has happened with them. With a counselor, that's the different set of eyes looking at your situation. And it is a professional relationship which is geared toward your growth. In friendships, what we find is is that um, our friends want something from us too, right? So usually in friendships, if if your friend is always taken away from you, that can be a drain on you and they're not going to want to talk to you very much because every time they talk to you, they feel drained. Counselors are there so that you can have that catharsis, it's professional, and you can talk to them. Sometimes you just need that support of friends, but it's all a part. Everybody should have a support system and a village. And if you know your friends, there are some friends that you just don't go to. I got friends that I don't talk to. If I need some encouragement, I know I don't need to go to some friends because what they're going to do is they're going to be very harsh and they're going to tell me, they can tell me like it is and that's okay. When I need that, I'll go. But if I need somebody who's going to be not just be, um, encouraging for me I might go to a friend who's more prophetic may tell me hey this is what's wrong this is what you need to know when when I have decisions like that other friends are more encouraging who I could go to when I need that encouragement so you know your friends too
2: thank you thank you Dr. Bonner
3: thank you and we have another question Uh, again these coping mechanisms but specifically what about the sabbath how is it achieved with the demands of ministry Okay, so people have to
1: work that out. Ministers have different ways that they design Sabbath, having a day in the week, and I know that that is very hard right now, because what's happened with many folks is is that your work has invaded your home. Mm-hmm. Um, ways that you can do it is is that um, you've got to when you've got a Sabbath, that means that time um, that you have. Uh, to God took that day of rest that day is for human beings because God's infinite God's got everything that day is a day for human beings where we set aside we need a day we need times you and I would even say you might even be able to spread out your Sabbath times that at Uh, seven o'clock at night, I'm clocking out. I'm turning off my phone. I'm turning off my computer. Whatever it is, unless it's some kind of emergency, it can wait. It's having that, it's the spirit of the Sabbath that is really important. And having that time that you clock out and say, hey, I'm just going to clock out right now. This This is it for me for today. My mind is spent And this is it. So you need to set aside those times in your time management where you're drawing boundaries, because right now we are the most accessible people um, in human history, I would say, and and people know if they they can, they send a text um, people will know if you read the email, they got spyware all over the place. They know when you're online or Facebook, everything, but there's gotta be a time when you got to just draw those boundaries and say, Hey, I'm going to turn off the phone. This is the hour I'm going to turn off the computer. This is the time when you draw those boundaries and say no, and set aside a time for rejuvenation every week so that you can be fresh as you go into the week so that you can be at your best. And I know that it is difficult. I'm speaking to myself. When I talk to you all about self-care, I'm also talking to myself as well.
2: Dr. Bonner, you uh, mentioned earlier on around healthy boundaries. And one of the concerns was, um, you mentioned one of those ways to deal with that is through delegation. And wanted to know how pastors are to deal with that guilty complex of delegating responsibilities when indeed, They are the pastor and that feeling of that's my responsibility, particularly when it comes to the healthy boundaries and
1: delegation. Okay. So you would have to ask yourself your reasons for feeling guilty about delegating responsibilities when we know that there is a a church structure and I know it works different in different places and for different contexts but you've got to ask yourself what is it where does this come from why am i feeling guilty why am i hanging on to this and feeling guilty if it's if it's overburdening me um why am i feeling guilty here you've got to ask yourself those questions and where does that come from for you and i would say i'm going back to counseling talking to somebody about that i'm not sure where that comes from it could have been that In your household, you had to do everything. You felt like you had to control everything. And then you carried that into your work life. You may have carried that into ministry, but you've got to find a way uh, to be more healthy and to be more whole. And that delegation helps not only to empower you, but it helps to empower others where you can monitor and check on what's going on. So I say with the feelings of guilt, all feelings come from somewhere and what's the thought behind your feeling guilty. And that would be from counseling, from talking to others, from some self-exploration, looking at when did I first feel this way? Because I'm sure that guilt didn't start when you got to a church. That guilt's been, that guilt came from somewhere. Uh, and, and we're very deep when we talk about our minds and our deep thinking. Well,
0: Dr. Dr. Bonner, how grateful we are before. And this is something that I don't usually have the opportunity of doing, but because we're getting ready to go off of the setting, I'd like to be able to have you to speak to the issue. Is it too late for those of us who have learned wrong? Tell, tell me about how we, how those of us who may have made every mistake that you had up on your screen, how do we now go back and correct that?
1: I'll go back and say self-compassion, self-compassion. It's knowing that we're on this journey and that we all have issues. We all make mistakes and learning to have patience with ourselves, just as the Lord has patience with us, infinite patience each and every day. Um, Learning how to, to know that there is grace there. That's the answer, man. Bishop, that's the answer. It's like we know about grace and we sing about grace, but we don't seem to experience it and extend it into our lives. it's, It's learning that, okay, I've got issues here that need to be worked on and having that humility to know that I'm gonna come and I'm gonna work on these issues with whoever I need to work on them with and developing a plan, a self-care success plan for our life. And one more thing too is leadership development models. I didn't get a chance to talk about that much, but I think that Episcopal leaders can definitely provide leadership models where people don't feel guilty about delegating tasks. People ought to have some kind of model of leadership that fits in with their personality and more education and knowledge surrounding how do I lead people in in a biblical way.
0: Well, I want to tell you how thankful and grateful we are as the pastor of the Second Episcopal District for you to come to my congregation and make the kind of impact that you've made tonight. As a pastor, I feel real good in having invited somebody who has fed the flock the way that you have fed us tonight. Thank you so, so very much. Thank We're excited you, about you. what you've shared with us and the best way that we can do um, the kind of respect we have for your contribution is that all 300 of us who may be listening tonight will go back and share what you've said with someone else and make that and this presentation tonight the centerpiece of our conversation tonight and tomorrow thank you again you've been used of god tonight and you've blessed us before we leave tonight uh let me let me ask uh reverend a.o carmichael who is going to lead us in prayer, and believe me, as he comes to us to lead us in prayer, I ask of each of us that we might breathe a word of prayer for all of the concerns around the Episcopal District. We have people who are sick. We have have clergy who are sick. We have congregations that honestly need us to be lifting them up. We have world and hunger in our own communities. And while I talk about all of that, I am so grateful to hear the numbers, the thousands, the hundreds of persons that are being fed as a result of the sacrifices and the contributions of those who may not have been as affected by this pandemic as some persons have been thank you for being the model and the example of what the church ought to be in this season reverend carmichael come on lead us in the closing prayer
4: let us pray my hope is built on nothing less than jesus blood and righteousness i dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on jesus name On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other grounds are sinking sand. Most gracious Father, we come over this webinar conference. We just want to thank you for allowing us to hook up and to connect and allow your spiritual bond to move through every computer, phone waves, and allow, Lord God, that you would touch and allow your presence and your anointing And we ask special favor that you would just look upon this entire second Episcopal district. We pray blessings upon our leadership. Bishop James LeVert Davis. And his queenly wife, Sister Alice. And we pray that you will move through the leadership, every presiding elder, every pastor and every church, the membership. We need you, Lord God. There are many petitions on the altar of our hearts. Hear us while we pray. We just wanna thank you, Lord God, for the session tonight, Dr. Matthew Bonner. We pray blessings upon him as he had pulled out his soul and allowed Lord God, to the teaching, for the healing. And we pray, Lord God, that you would just allow, that you would just clothe us with moments of renewal and strength as we come, Lord God, we pause to reflect upon you. Let every word be meditated in our hearts and our souls and minds. Grant right now through this prayer, we thank you for all the sessions that you have allowed this district to come together. We thank you for the keen mind, for the leadership, Bishop Davis. Amen. We pray blessings and peace and love. Whatever be now, we come with concerns that throughout this Entire nation and the global warfare. This COVID 19 has taken its toll. We pray for healing. We pray, Lord God, moments of those who become discouraged. Give us moments of hope and assurance of faith. And we pray blessings that you would tune our hearts that we may continue to sing your grace and your mercy. We thank you for allowing this moment to Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. We ask this prayer in your mighty name. Amen.
0: Thank you for the prayer. Aurelis wants to join me now as we say to each of you on next Thursday, this very special moment of recognizing the need to give thanks. We wish for each of your homes a very happy Thanksgiving as we all thank God that he has put us in a position to be the difference that makes the difference. God bless you. Good night, Dr. Barna. Again, thank you so very much. Thank you. God bless bless. now.
2: Bless you, Bishop, thank you.
0: God bless all of you who helped tonight.
3: Happy Thanksgiving, Bishop.
0: Indeed, God bless you. I'm trying to get her off y'all. I. Man, oh, i